my, there we go, right there, perfect. Yes, I'm here. Again, for the second time, I'm so excited to see you. Mm-hmm. And uh, this time I get to talk to you after your fight, yeah. as opposed to before your fight. And yeah. I'm sure the uh, complexion of what your thoughts were going into the fight the last time we were here, and then what you have after the fight are two completely different things. Uh, welcome yeah. all your friends in Facebook land, by the way. Yeah, I got my Facebook fan page recording something live. Hopefully it stays on, doesn't wig out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we need to be able to see the messages that people are writing. No. Right. I'll, um, I, have maybe, I have a way. I have a way. We can switch around. Yeah, we can look at, <laughs> you could probably tune in and see on, yeah. Everyone's liking it and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, tell me about the fight against Chris Bright. Chris Bright, 44 years old, you said? Right, yep. And uh, one of the big names in South African mixed martial arts. I mean, he's been around since God knows whenever. Right. Yeah. At least about 30 of those 44 years he's been famous right. in mixed martial arts in the country. And what was the experience like? Tell me, detail me through it. You decided to arrive a little later into South Africa this oh. time around as opposed to... That wasn't my decision. It was uh, <laughs> the EFC. Uh, the they, 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 uh, I, I don't know if it has something to do with the water drought or the price of tickets and accommodations or a combination of all of it. But because uh, over um, Easter weekend, um, they said, Dave, we're going to fly you in on... Have you leave Monday before the fight and I'll arrive Tuesday night and then I, I weigh in that Friday. So for me to acclimate, that's not very long. Um, generally, they've flown me in and I've arrived the at least a week before the fight. You know, I've, I've arrived in the country by the Saturday before or the even the Friday before, you know, like uh, eight days before. So it, it was them, but I didn't mind showing up a little later because... You know, I get down, I, I, I arrive, I cut weight, go in, fight, I'm right to work instead of kind of like waiting around and trying to, you know, acclimate, which I don't know, like the acclimation process sucks, but by the time the fight usually takes place is about when I'm training in Vegas. So that makes sense. So yeah. like we train like early afternoon and late night here is early afternoon there. So, so you're not doing too much of an adjustment in terms of... I mean, it's a nine hour time change, <laughs> but but like the time where my body kind of naturally is woken up is 11 p.m. at night when I'm fighting so did you prefer that this particular type of preparation for the fight in terms of arriving later or do you prefer to get you earlier I kind of enjoyed arriving earlier they have their pros and cons um, because I was able to work with my team a little bit longer before the fight you know a lot of times like you know being over a week away from my team and I'm just usually I'm by myself for a number of days and then my coach arrives like that Tuesday before and then he's jet lagged and he doesn't you know he's kind of like dead and I'm like hey I have a friend you know (laughs) I'm trying to like you know get him to train with me and stuff but I don't know we'll see Um, so far this was good though Okay, so but you didn't notice anything physically different in terms of arriving later. I mean, there's no minute kind of differences. No, I, I, no, not really. No, it's not a I'd, sleep thing or any of that kind of thing. Like you still gelled and got back into this sort of lifestyle quickly after you arrived. Yeah, I mean, it, nothing ever feels right, but I'm used to that feeling now. I'm used to coming in jet lagged and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, ideally, it'd be nice to to just step out my back door and go to the arena around there. But uh, I've never had, I haven't had that in, you know, eight, nine years. So why do you suppose that is? (laughs) Well, uh, because in Vegas, well, I moved to Vegas about eight years ago. 
Um, the fights I took in Alaska before I left to Vegas were in Canada. I just took opportunities out there. Um, and the thing is that Las Vegas doesn't have any professional promotion other than the UFC. Really? Yeah. So there's not even small satellite promotions. That there's operate. tons of amateur promotions. A like lot if you're, professional. No, because the athletic commission's so um, they're they're expensive, and you know, it's the entertainment capital of the world. Unless you have the best fighters in the world, you're not going to sell tickets to an event. They're all you know against each other. Yeah, well, we, well, I mean, okay, who are you going to... Uh, what kind of entertainment do you want? we got the Blue Man Group, we got Britney Spears, we've got, um, you know, this metal bands in town, uh, the rodeos in town, and then a bunch of low-level pros. Who are you going to... Prof- professional fights. And, you know, like, in the following weekend, there's a UFC. Who are you going to spend your money to, to watch? You're not going to spend your money on 0-0 fighters, 1-0, 2-0 fighters fight in a promotion, you're going to only see the best stuff in Vegas. You know, like there's all kinds of events going on in Vegas and I have no clue what's going on because there's so many things happening, right? Every major piece of entertainment goes through there. So, um, even though they call it the fight capital of the world, it is the fight. I mean, it is, I mean, you'll see every giant promotion go through there and like the UFC is located their, their main offices are located there. Um, Floyd Mayweather's gym is there, you know, like it's, it, it is, but you know, and there's ton, the amateur promotions hot, and the reason why that works is because you can load the card. You could put 13, 14 fights. Um, you can give the amateur guys incentive to sell tickets. Hey, I'll give you a percentage off the sales of your tickets. And these are kids that are just starting to fight, so they're really excited to sell tickets and have their friends watch their fights. Um, are we talking kids here as in teenagers or kids here as in young twenties? I'm talking about kids in the young 20s. Right. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm 30 something now. Yeah, so been the been the business, you know, over over a decade. So they're kids, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. But but they're uh, even though some of those guys are my age starting out. But you know, um, so they have incentive to so, so it doesn't cost and the commission's a lot less. You know, it's not a pro commission. It's like an amateur commission. So uh, drug you testing c- slightly less. There's no drug testing in. Um, Amateur, but I suppose those guys are they really right. going to be able to afford to buy steroids. I mean, that's uh, they, quite some of them have. I mean, they have normal jobs. I mean, some people do. I mean, they can. I mean, uh, but I don't think it's common. Yeah. You know, um, because people are doing the pros. I mean, but then again, most pro promotions don't test. The only promotion that really tests hard is the UFC. Um, even the EFC, they'll test day of, and it's random. You know, which 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 is a good enough scare to keep people off of drugs. Um, but then you look at. Uh, you know, like the UFC tests you throughout your whole year. Like they'll show up to your house 6 a.m., make you pee in a cup, you know. On and, a Sunday and, morning. Yeah, on a Sunday morning, you know, and, and you're like, dang. So so the UFC guys are pretty legitimately clean. Um, every other promotion, there's risk of them taking drugs, right? Um, but, you know, what what you going to do? It, it takes it takes balls, you know, to fight. Not 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 muscles, <laughs> so you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter at the end of the day sometimes. Now, um, the media day that you had with EFC this time around mm. was at University of Cape Town. Yeah, what was that like? It, it was it was it was more of a media media day. They they kind of did it to get more social media footage. We kind of just shadow box in the square at the Cape Town University. It was it was a beautiful campus. Like I'm, I I got a bachelor's degree at Adam State. That's actually Adam State University now. It was Adam State College at the time, but um, 
so it just brought me back to like an old campus. Like it just got me reminiscent. It made me miss like being in school, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I love what I'm doing now, obviously, but just it was kind of a like a shadow of my past being in a, in a university setting. So that was cool and seeing all the kids and everything. That was that was neat. And um, obviously, the weigh-ins went down the next day, so that would have been Friday. This past Friday, as in three days ago. The media day was Wednesday. Then yeah. Thursday, we, you know, we just cut weight. I didn't eat all day, and you know, dehydrated. And that night, did a little bit of a water cut. And then the next morning, we weighed in at nine a.m. And I cut the rest of the water, you know, at five in the morning. I started my weight water cut, and you know, uh, got to the venue and made weight and. How much was that last little bit that you had to cut this time? Oh, jeez. Um, um, I mean, I went to bed. I still had saliva in my mouth as I was sleeping. But, I, I mean, I had no food in my stomach. It was very uncomfortable. My back started hurting probably. I don't know. It might have been my kidney. <laughs> I don't know. My kidney started hurting, I think. And I put a cream on it. To like, you know what I mean? I put some, like, Ben Gay or whatever on it, like the cream, Icy Hot. Um Deep eat in this country, but anyway. Yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever it I don't is know over why it's here. Ben Gay. Over yeah, there. Ben Gay. <laughs> I don't know why weird. you put it on your back. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it. You know, like my kidneys were hurting and stuff, and I wasn't really. You know, I had no food in me. My brain was like, you know, why are you trying to sleep? You need to eat something. You need to hydrate. Um, and your back played up because of that. Yeah, and I don't know if it was my kidney or my actual muscles in my back. Usually my muscles kind of cramp up, and a lot of it's my I suppose back. they're being deprived of water and yeah, sustenance. Water, and I don't have any food in me, and you know I'm used to always feeding myself, and then I go X some like 24 hours without food or drink, and you know it's it's gone. What the hell, Dave? Um, so yeah, I woke. So basically, that I mean that last little bit, I had to cut about five pounds, which is I guess. Two kilos. Yeah, a little over two kilos. Well, about two and a half kilos, probably. Two and a half. Two and a quarter. You know, two and a quarter. 2.2. Yeah, you divide it by 2.2. So, yeah, it it was quite a bit in the morning, and it it came off real good initially in the end. It was kind of tough. And one of the things about the weight cut that was interesting, one of the best ways to do it is, is heat your body up in a hot bath. You know, and then wrap yourself in towels and stuff like that. And and obviously there's a water ban. And, you know, I had my own hotel room and I could have done it without anybody seeing me take a bath because it's a lot easier to do that. But she did the right thing. And that's what you're about to say. Yeah, I'm about to say that, hey, you know, we're. Uh... <laughs> he pitched in. Yeah, I pitched in. Well, and it, I don't know, like I. I as a uh, hockey player growing up, as I played ice hockey, we were always really superstitious yeah. about weird things, and I just like had this feeling about the the uh, the the water gods, uh, you know, yeah. striking down on me on the day of the fight. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna do this old school with the plastics and the abilene and and rub that, you know, and sweat it out and and uh, sweatsuit and and you know jog and whatever. And it was a little harder, obviously, but. I didn't anger the water gods. Yeah, just in case they decided to give someone by the surname of Bright the knockout of the night win. Yeah. So just so people who don't know, Cape Town's going through an extreme water crisis at the moment. And this is also one of the things that I've always thought about is that you guys, specifically fighters, get into a hot bath, cover yourself. Yeah. And the key is the heat of the bath, obviously, to help you sweat and burn off those extra uh, extra pounds that you're trying to shed. But that bath can happen like, two to five times over a night right. before you cut. So yeah. now that you're missing that, and was it something you used a lot? Um, do you use a lot? I, I I did. I started towards the end of my career. You know, it's um, something I've adapted. Like, 
like it's kind of a newer thing. Like yeah. usually, it used to be just saunas. People would cut the water in the sauna, and then they figure out plastics. So, you know, they eat plastics and work out, and they'd start discovering the bath, and they add Epsom salts, and there's all these strategies. And then apparently, there's I forgot the exact temperature, but there's a. I mean, I can sort of feel the sweet spot, the temperature, but you don't want to go too hot. Itching, but not it, quite that you can have to jump out. It's it's weird. Yeah, it's it's, it's like this kind of medium temperature, honestly. That 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 has optimal sweat because you, if you overheat, then it doesn't do good either. You know, so you got to find this right temperature. So like people got it down to a science. Um, but yeah, it's the best way to do it so far. I so mean, just bring me through it. The Epsom yeah. salts, what draws water out of your skin? Yeah, it's basically, uh, from my understanding and I'm sure somebody might correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the principles of, of osmosis. Um, the diffusion of water through a semi-permeable membrane. If you, you sound pretty convincing yeah, to me. If you read, if you read your, <laughs> if you read, um, if you read, you know your your Greatest science books. Is. But but there's a you know like it, the water will flow from an area of of, of high concentration to area of low concentration. So if there's a high salt content on the other side of the barrier, which would be your skin, right? It would it would seep out to the outside the bath. And I'm assuming that's why it does it that way. I'm assuming that's why it dries you out, but. I don't and then know. the heat of the bath is just to create and keep that sweat going. Keep you sweating, yeah, yeah. And then and then you'll sweat in the bath for a while, and then you usually like plastic up. We have this stuff called abilene, and um, what's that like a Vaseline kind of thing? It kind of is, yeah. It's like technically a makeup remover, but it's kind of like a petroleum based thing. And then you put a layer of that on, it sort of like creates a, a waterproof layer that, like, when you sweat, it'll beat off and roll off, and so you keep sweating, right? Because you know the way the principle of the way sweat works on your body. Body is it, it it it's wet on your skin and when it evaporates it pulls it it cools your body as it evaporates yeah. so if it just beads and rolls off you just you know your body oh I'm still hot I'm still hot and it just beads off if it just lays there then it's doing its job you know so the abilene kind of does that so that, that that's I mean there's also a product called sweet sweat that's the same exact thing as has a little bit of uh, a heating element to it and it has like a smell or whatever and it's way more expensive and you just go to the drugstore in America and there's this stuff called Abilene and boxers have been using it forever. You talk to any boxer and they know about it. I think we and, call it in this country aqueous cream but I know what you're talking about. It's like a white sort of lubish kind yeah, of Yeah, it's like looks almost like Vaseline. Yeah. It's probably have the same thing here. And um, so that's what you do after your bath. You rub your whole body down with that kind of thing? Yeah, and a plastic up and then get bundled up into a we call it a, I always call it a sweat burrito you know it blankets and towels and stuff and you sit there and you just lay there and sweat and once you stop feeling the sweat going then you hop back in the bath and get your temperature up we'll go at 20 minutes and then back in the sweat burrito for 20 to 40 and back and forth you know and that's the easiest way and you don't have to exert your body too much as you're doing that but this time I you know had the plastics of sweat then my sweats over the plastics and the abilene under all that and you know just walking on the treadmill shadow boxing bouncing around whatever I can do to keep my body temperature up but I mean you do that for an hour that's hard to do anyways you know but so you got to be in you got to be in shape to cut weight um, another aspect of that is your um, your blood gets thicker. You know, your 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 so there's no there's less plasma. You know, like the liquidy part inside your blood, and so it's like a lot of platelets condense. So your heart has to work harder in order to pump it. So you can f sort of feel your heart going boom, 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 boom. It's it's more difficult on your body cardiovascularly um, when you're dehydrated. So I tell people like. 
you know, you have to be in shape to cut water weight. You can't be out of shape and cut water weight, you know, and, and then that's a, that's a problem. That's why people get down on water cuts because generally a lot of times you see people who are out of shape. The reason why they need to water cut too much because they're not in good shape. They slacked on their diet and they have carrying too much fat. They aren't cardiovascularly fit. And so the water cut generally has a bad repercussion, you know? And so, um, uh, you know, but as a professional, you have to be in good shape to do that. And then the rehydration process is vital. You know, people generally, not generally, but I think a lot, an, edu- an educated person will not rehydrate properly afterwards. Like I like to make sure I put in just fluids for an hour and a half. Like I just drink fluids and again, a lot of electrolytes, a lot of salt. I was, and I, you know, when I started eating, I was sprinkling salt and sea salt and everything, you know, and, um, and just getting all that stuff together. And, uh, you know, part of the process of cutting weight and staying hydrated and getting ready for your fight is knowing your body and knowing how it reacts to a cut. And, uh, you know, I've heard people talk about, well, I'm, you know, you know, being dehydrated after a cut and led to poor performance and that, but that's kind of on you to, to figure that out, that process out, you know, study the science, study how your body works. Um, and, 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 and hopefully it comes back better. Like I think, this weight cut for me was pretty tough, but I think my rehydration and everything else, you know, was good. And I was on key and on point. Everything felt great in my body. So it ended up being okay. But I could definitely see if somebody took a different strategy rehydrating with my cut, they would have failed, you know, the the fight. They wouldn't have been ready, you know. So it's, it's years of experience figuring that out. And then if I could ask, I don't know if it's some kind of a, closely guarded secret that you'd rather not tell anybody if it is obviously you don't have to say it um is this weight cutting that last little bit something that you would do through the night or do you actually get a bit of a night's rest do you cut to a certain point in the evening and go okay i can't do anything more than that let's right. sleep and then wake up and carry on tomorrow you try to like what i try to do like me personally and everybody does it differently i like to be on target i like to only have to cut five pounds in the morning Okay. Right. So I was monitoring my weight all day and seeing what I would float, you know, like so all day of not eating and drinking, you know, your body will just drop weight, you know, from like just expelling water, expelling waste, you know, um, Burning metabolizing. Kilograms. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, well, you know, um, about nine pounds over or I think I might have been 10 pounds over. So I had to cut like three to four pounds. I knew I'd float one at night, meaning I would lose another pound during the night. And then I knew I'd be on track to lose five. And so, um, you know, you try to cut as little as possible the night before so you're able to sleep. And, but I rarely sleep the day before a weigh-in. It's, it just doesn't happen. And then I sleep like a baby after the weigh-in because I'm fed and hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Now, on, on the scales, obviously, that was the first time that you're kind of eyeballing Chris Bright. Um, yeah. How You guys are very cordial towards each other. Yeah. I got the impression it was nothing but uh, good sportsmanship. There was no bad animosity or any no. kind of bad blood. Total yeah. pros. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing with Chris Bright, and I first heard about Chris Bright when I fought EFC 5 against Vensel Nil. Right, Vensel was supposed to fight Chris Bright um, in, in in EFC 5, and, and Chris hurt himself. And I had to step in. Oh, I didn't have to, but they offered me the fight to step in. And I ended up stepping in and fighting him on 10 days notice. And so I've heard about Chris Bright. And also I learned uh, a teammate of mine, like I think it was EFC one or two. He armbarred one of my, his, you know, his first EFC fight. He armbarred a guy that eventually became one of my teammates. He was from Vandalay Silva's team, one fight team. And he was a brown belt 
um, jujitsu guy, real good jujitsu guy, like mopped me up, you know, and, and he, Chris Bright armbarred him, you know, in, in one of the early, and they showed replays of this, this guy named Gabe, and he armbarred him. So, like, again, I've known Chris Bright as a submission artist since the beginning, and so, you know, I've respected him as a submission guy for a long time and somebody who could definitely take an individual out um, with his jiu-jitsu. So, um, yeah, like, but but so ever since I fought Wenzel Nil, um, me and him were friends on Facebook, and we'd always BS and, you know, whatever. I like his post. He liked my post. <laughs> you know? Um, so you know, well, there's nothing about it that you actually like. You just like the yeah. other person know that I'm watching you, motherfucker. Well, no. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't. I will. I never thought. I never known him as a guy I was going to ever fight. Yeah. I never. Were, I, you in the, were you both lightweight back then? Yeah. Yeah. We're both lightweight. But you it know? never ever occurred to you like, hey, this might actually happen. It, it? it might. But like. You know, well, when I fought EFC, the first EFC, EFC 5, you know, I was like, hey, guys, bring me back. You know, that'd be cool. But they didn't bring me back. I I, I didn't think I was ever going to fight for EFC again. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, we're keeping in Africa. You know, like we, we talked about bringing you back, but we're not gonna. And so I like set my sights elsewhere, but I always kind of kept my, you know, I kept communicating back with EFC to see if I can get back. And once they went in international, you know, then I stepped back in. So like, you know. That whole time between Vince O'Neill and, and Cebu Sisu, where I fought like EFC, I don't know, 50 something, five to 50 something. Um, it could be four or five years. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we're yeah. talking beginning EFC days was 2010. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't step in until about three years ago, right? So it was about five years, you know? So, um, so it was one of those things that, like, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't. Like, okay, there's talks about me fighting Chris Bright. Okay, cool, but I, it was never gonna happen. I goes, okay, I'm never going back to Africa. You know, obviously it's something I forgot about. So you know, throughout those five years, I would BS with him and, and Vensel too. Like Vensel, we wrote emails back and forth, traded training tips and whatever. Um, you know, and we're just we're just MMA guys. You know, and uh, and it, even when I came back to the EFC, Chris Bright really wasn't on the scene. He was just coaching and, and running a school. So it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't until like this last year that they say, what about Chris Bright? And I'm like, I, I guess, you know, because <laughs> like, I thought it was an interesting matchup. And one, you know, um, it, it's, a, it's a cool style matchup between a striker and a, a grappling, uh, not a striker, but like I'm more of a ground and pound, gritty, straightforward guy. He's a very technical um, um, jujitsu guy. And, and, you know, and he could, you know, it, I think it was for the pure MMA fan, it's interesting. And, and him having an official undefeated record was cool too i know he had like an unofficial record of 27 and 2 or something like that but um because there's a lot of fights that weren't sanctioned they couldn't keep track of and and whatever because he was at the beginning of mixed martial arts here um but um and i'm not talking about like weird karate guys making up neck records i think he really fought in these events because i know how mma works as if there's a couple of my fights that aren't on the books, you know, because of whatever, because it was the beginning of MMA. But um, but he had happened to have a lot of them. I know it's Africa, but but he had this tech, technically had an undefeated record, and, and it was like this really cool, you know. And he, he's one of the guys who started the sport here, and 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 I liked it because I wanted to show the fans and everybody that you know you guys can be gentlemen. We can like you know trade our martial arts you know we could see who's the best martial artist you know we could we can see the best fighter but we don't have to you know find a way to insult the guy to have a reason to beat him up like i can fight anybody like in, in, in you saw in the fight you know i i 
flipped the switch and I hammer fisted his face until he was unconscious, you know, and that that's completely fine. I know he'll do that to me and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not against that, but that's just like what we do. I'm not, you know what you signed up for. So. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to back down. And you know, I'm sure if he had an arm bar on me and I wasn't tapping, he'd break my arm. You know, that's just what you have to do. And that's the risk that we all take. And, you know, and if I was to get my arm broken by somebody, I'd rather do it from a guy that I would comfortably have a beer with after the match than some punk, you know, that I don't like. And, um, and you'd know that your arm got broken by a master and not some punk with a yeah, bat or something right. like that. Right. So, you know, and he represents what's good about mixed martial arts, you know, and I, and I hope to be a guy who represents about what's good about mixed martial arts again in the U.S., especially in the beginning. And I even fought in Australia, which Australia is constantly, especially Western Australia, where I was fighting, they're banning cages. They're starting to ban combat sports for youth. And I'm talking like wrestling and jujitsu. I read um, about that. The yeah. Other day. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, I, I, I think I think it's it's one of those things that's important. I think martial arts is important. I think fighting and, and getting aggression out in a healthy way is important because, man, we're primitive beings. We didn't survive on this earth by like cordial and talking to each other, you know. And 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 with social media, you know, it 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 definitely be we become we're becoming soft in a lot of ways you know like yeah i can talk to you across a computer screen and, and i'm a tough guy and i'm getting my rocks off that way and but like the people doing that tend to still be depressed and still don't feel good about themselves and you know i mean honestly there's nothing wrong with a with with a physical confrontation between two men that makes you feel good about yourself it's weird it's a primal thing that we need um, as, as guys and maybe not every guy, but there's, there's a breed of human that needs some kind of physical exertion and some kind of, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one combat situation, even a sport can get that out. Even a game of soccer or whatever can, can get that out of you, you know, cause it's still primal. But that's the thing in Australia, they still have other concussive options yeah. being Australian rules yeah. rugby. I don't know if you've ever watched five oh. minutes of that. It's no. Is it footy? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that they're full-on body-checking each other. Oh, yeah. Like, no arms tackling, shoulders on the chins, shoulders on the temple, all the time. Right. But, you know, the thing is, is Australia and Aussie listeners, if anybody is Australian, tough shit. But this is the basic reality, is the ultimate nanny state on the planet Earth right now. And all they're going to do by banning anything is sending it underground, which means that it's going to become more dangerous. Right. Because people are going to try and get away with it. Right. Uh, Anything in the history of humankind that has been banned has always thrived, and it's always thrived illegally. So right. I, th I really hope the Aussies reconsider that because, of course, they've got Whitaker, who is right. light heavyweight champion in the UFC or middleweight champion in the UFC. Right. So what happens when they decide to ban a sport and you got a star like that? Well, fortunately, I, mean, I don't think they can ban him training, right? They can always no. train. No, you'll just live in America anyway. You're, you're just, they're just going to not, you know, just prevent people from doing what they're they want to do sorry kids you can't be like Whitaker anymore even though right. he's a famous fighter fighting yeah. against potentially the best in the world yeah and 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 you know the thing is too about fighting i would never suggest i would never say hey you should do this i would never suggest somebody do that i mean it has to be in your blood you have to love it you know no, and if sure. they love it and it's something you want to do and maybe i see a kid that really is really needs to get his aggression out in the right way you know um, martial arts does it because it humbles you but that's why martial it artists are the most chilled out people i've ever met because they got right. nothing to prove yep the people who have something to prove and the aggressive type of people are the ones who don't have that physical outlet. Right. So for them, it's like, let me go see how big I am in a bar. Right. 
and that's where you get that kind of shit. Whereas fighters very seldom fight in bars. Nope. Nowadays also because everyone's holding a fucking camera. But they're <laughs> yeah. also they're chilled out. They don't need to because they get their competition in the cage. Right. They know who they are there, which is the only place that really counts. Right. And even in practice, right? You 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 go in, especially like with jujitsu and stuff too. Like you'll see a guy, you know, you see this, you know, straight dork, you know, walking in. <laughs> you know, something. This guy looks like a dork, and then he'll roll you up into ten different places, and you're like, wow, like you you understand, man, you know, anybody can whoop my ass, and I don't know who can and who can't, um, but you know, it, it, but it's a humbling thing because then. You know, after you let it all out, you feel good. You know, I always give people the analogy. If you're comfortable in your own skin, you know, like, like you won't want to fight people. Like, for example, my, my favorite example is if a three-year-old walked up to you and he said, I'm going to beat you up. Are you going to beat up a three-year-old? You don't know. You know you can beat up a three-year-old. You aren't going to prove him, prove to him why you can't beat him up. You well, know, because like, you will go to jail. But anyway. Yeah, and yeah, you'll go to jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, <laughs> For any litany of charges they can think of putting up. The, right. The fact that you look at a three-year-old today means you go to jail for something. <laughs> right. It's, it's so, um, you know, a guy that's comfortable with himself or a girl or whoever, you know, you aren't going to fight somebody. And, and you know, that's, that's an important thing. So, again, that's, a, again, why I think Chris Bright didn't have to, talk smack to me or nothing because you know he he isn't looking to get super famous and you know and 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 i would like to be a draw but i'm not i don't want to get a draw that way you know that's not who i am you got to be true to yourself um and you know no we're we're just you know he's conf he's comfortable his own skin you know he's proved himself time and time again and he you know he was cool just being a being a guy ready to fight and, and we gave we had the weigh-ins we gave like a double high five gave each other a hug like all right we're gonna scrap tomorrow you know he's, he told me good luck and i'm like this guy messing with me you know as he told me good luck but, it, but it's legit he's like good luck you know and we're we're both happy for each other and i i you know and we we i owe him a steak and a beer after this next time we you know see each other i'm buy him a steak i, I bought him a beer after that at the pref, press conference you can see me walking by Grabbed him a beer and you know I had a beer too you know but that's oh, so what you, guys you do. Clapped the beer off the off the way and oh, at the press conference. Yeah, literally at okay. the press conference. Okay, awesome. I, I you could see me walk behind Cairo and I hand him a beer. I, had to, I told my girlfriend, "Hey, get two beers." <laughs> and you know, it's, but it just you know it's, it's what you do, man. Like when I broke my face, when when Ryan Ford shattered my nose and and, and whatever, I, I had a beer and a shot with him. You know, at the club, I'm not gonna. You know, that's just what you do. You, hey, you beat me. You know, I'm a, you're you're the better man tonight. You know, and and, and whatever. And, and and I'm stronger because I came out of it. And the fight you know? itself, can I ask now? Was, yeah. Was was there anything? Okay, so you knew that Chris Bright was a submission specialist, yep. and nothing would make you happier than having him break your arm if it came to that. <laughs> right. But did anything come out that surprised you this time? Um, well, yeah, my training, well, my training camp three and a half weeks ago, I was in sparring and, uh, and again, I, one of the big issues with me is I, I, you know, I work a lot. I, uh, I train people out of four different gyms, right? I'm, I'm like one of the head trainers, like I'm the, I'm the, not the head trainer. I'm like, I'm in charge of the boxing program at this big studio that has three studios in town and they're expanding globally. And so I'm, I'm. Helping, I, I've been helping design and and run the boxing program there. They have yoga and Pilates, and it's a really it's called True Fusion. It's a really cool um, concept. But they wanted to add boxing, which is like they have everything from like boxing, 
like hardcore, and then they have Yen Yoga where you breathe and stretch it out. Yeah. So they have those full spectrums, you know what I mean? And um, all under one roof. Yeah, but it's been really hard on me, uh, you know, work because it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. It's a company that I, you know, it's 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 they have training that I believe in. Um, I can get behind them, you know. I, I, you know, it's hard to get behind something, you know what I mean? I'm like, okay, this is legit product. I'll get, you know, people want me to sell supplements and, you know, or, or you know what I mean, like the pyramid scheme marketing. There's all these weird things, but this, okay, I'll get behind this one. This one, I like it, you know, because it changes people's lives, feels good, changed my life, you know, yoga and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I'm getting sidetracked, but, um, yeah, but you're, you're busy at work. Uh, yeah, I'm busy working. I train privates. I, I, I referee Naga. I, re- I ref like four Naga tournaments in a row. Like, as well uh, as being a pro wrestler yourself. I do some pro wrestling a little bit, you know, um, and I, and I, I haven't done, didn't do many matches, but I was just like back to back to back. And I think I overtrained a little bit, you know, f- in overtrain in relation to how much work I was putting, the rest I was getting, I wasn't getting enough rest. So, you know, I was trying to do two a days and I wasn't getting enough rest. And so during sparring, my I heard my three and a half weeks before the fight, I heard my hamstring audibly pop. It went pop. And I posted a thing on Instagram about it. But um, yeah, and so I was wriggling around pain. So the last three and a half weeks, I had a pulled hand. I still have a whole pulled hamstring, you know, and I was just doing just enough conditioning and it was just like, okay, I was hitting pads real hard, you know, doing upper body pummeling stuff, but I couldn't get on the ground. I, I just, you know, a week and a half before the fight, I was able to start drilling, you know, positions on the ground carefully. I couldn't go live on the ground. I couldn't wrestle really hard. So in other words, you had the best preparation for a submissions artist ever. Well, kind of. Well, I, well, with with Chris, I knew there was a possibility of getting drugged down. I wanted to really enhance my wrestling and and my ground and pound position because I think like my my grappling has good anti jujitsu. I have good anti jujitsu ground and pound. You know what I mean? I think that would have been a good point. And there were some points in the fight where I was like, ah, I'd like to go on go on to the ground, you know, and, and 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 get a good position and go, but I couldn't risk that. And then so. I had to just strike with them, you know, which is fine. And I'm confident in my hands. But the problem was, too, three and a half weeks, I couldn't spar. I couldn't get my range right, you know. Like, even a light sparring, I was worried about slipping and popping my hamstring. So I did everything really controlled, you know. So the first round of the fight, I felt like I was getting my range and sort of getting my stuff. And, you know, your condi- you know my conditioning was off. Like, I wouldn't, I really didn't use my legs, like, 100% for the last three and a half weeks of that camp, you know what I mean? Other than, you know, movement to box. Um, so like, it, and, and, and throughout that camp, because I was working so much, I got sick twice. Like there's a big bad flu going around Vegas. And I was just like, it was the most challenging camp I ever had, like mentally and physically. You're just you worn know? out and worn down. Worn out, worn down. And uh, like, again, I'm going to go home and make adjustments. Cause I got a title fight. Well, I'm calling for the title fight and uh, I, I'm, 90% sure it's going to happen. Um, well, this was a number one contender spot. For yeah, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was officially announced that way by the press conference. Like, hey, I'm fighting Martin. <laughs> I said it. I was like, you know, and Shotgun. I think I don't think there's anybody that's going to disagree with me. You know, because the you know the guy who had the title, who I really want, I still want to fight Don Madge for it to get my title back. But if it can't be him, you know, like he he's went off to the UFC or whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, that would have been a great fight, but. You know, it's gonna hit one of his team. You know, one of the fight fit militia guys, which I gotta fight another fight fit militia guy, which is a pain in the ass. So you're not gonna, <laughs> you, you, you don't think you're gonna get a shot at Martin van Staden next? I will. Yeah. Will. No, I, 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 I 
I called it out. I'm making it happen. You know, like I again, but it's like it's nothing's official. You know, yeah. <laughs> just I, like I think it makes a hundred percent of the uh, sense in the booking. I I, I kind of demanded it at the press conference. Um, I think he understands that's what's going to happen. If something different happens, I think it'd be due to injury or something weird. But uh, yeah, I really want my title back, and 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 I'm gonna make adjustments um, in my camp because I learned a lot. You learn a lot with every camp, and uh, so it. But yeah, that was that was tough. So you know, going through an injury and all that stuff, and I, I see where my injury goes. And after that, uh, you know, back to the drawing board and figure out when I'm going to fight again. So the – and I forget – forgive me for asking these questions, but yeah, genuinely, no. I didn't watch your fight. Yeah. I didn't watch any of the UFC card because I was stuck in the mountains. I had no reception. That's a beautiful thing. Right. How did it actually – how did it turn out? How did it go round for round? I mean, how would you have sort of describe your performance in terms of, well, your disability on the leg? Right. I think and what you're able to deliver. I think considering the situation I was in, I, I performed well. You know, like if I was on the outside looking in, knowing nothing about like what I went through in that training camp and what I went through, um, and my conditioning at that point, and 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 where my body was at, and the adversity I had to overcome, I would have if I would have like looked at it, I'd be like, oh, Dave, you kind of look like crap. Like that something's wrong. You're giving yourself a six. Someone yeah. else not knowing might be saying yeah. that's a nine and, out of ten. The guy looked pretty good. Yeah. And, like I would, but I think even a fan, they would look, I mean, I got a knockout at the end and I was cool, but like, I, like my hands were too low, my stance wasn't right, um, my range was off, I wasn't following up combinations, there's times I could should have ripped, put them down to the ground and pounded them and when, when you know, and uh, I, there, there's stuff I knew I should have done better. I shouldn't have got hit the way I did. Um, were you staggered at any point? Yeah, yeah. So the first round, first round, I, I got. So I knew he was very like, like it calm, and he was he was gonna try to draw on a takedown, you know. And so I was really trying to like, you know, stay long, throw shots from the outside. Don't I didn't allow wanna, him to shoot a double or a single. Yeah, yeah. So I was like sh- throwing jabs. He's a little tall, stands real tall, but I didn't want to reach my jab all the way up to his face because then it brings him down to a to to shoot a takedown. So I was. You know, I was trying to feather my jab out and hit him with a straight right to the body quite a bit. And I was also using, I, I trained a lot of leg kicks going into that fight. Um, but obviously, the last three and a half weeks, I didn't throw one more kick, you know, because of my hamstring. And so my first kicks I'd thrown in, in three and a half weeks were in that fight. Was it your <laughs> left or your right leg, the hamstring? It was my left hamstring, you know, so. That's your base foot. I mean, you're I, right-handed or you're a right-footed person, aren't you? Yeah, So you're yeah. basing yourself on that injured hamstring. Right, and anything where I split my legs up, you know, and, I, and that lead foot, and, or just even like, even when I threw my, I was training my lead front kick, you could see that, and then my right one too, but like even decelerating and ripping it back to the ground, you know, like I, you know, it was scary to throw, but in the fight, you know, I was like, well, what's going to happen is going to happen. Cause sure. I, so, so my strategy was, you know, a little more lead kicks, you know, keep distances. I wasn't going to throw combinations until they really, cause I, cause that's what happens. I know cause I, I was, you know, I'm a, I was a grappling specialist in the beginning. That's kind of all I did is you'd wait for somebody to throw a three or four punch combination moving forward. You'd duck under and you'd scoop them up and put them down. And then that's, you know, you know, you know, Simple enough. yeah, that's kind of what happens, you know. Um, but uh, so, you know, I was trying to, you know, piece like here and there, here and there. And, and I couldn't find my range for that first round. It was frustrating. My right hand 
landed to the body a couple times, but I was able to like really sit down on that one and really reach it out because if I'm already that low hitting the body, you're you risking know, yourself. Well, uh, no, well if my body, if I've, if, if my my level, my my level changes as you throw a straight right hand to the body. So if he decides to shoot as I throw a straight right hand to the body, body I'm already there to catch catch a, a shot yeah. if i'm throwing all shots to the head if i'm throwing a straight right to the head someone's eating a rod hand well no he's ducking under it and taking me down if he shoots that level yeah yeah which he was timing i'm sure he was timing that so if i'm throwing a one two instead of just a one a jab instead of a one you know i'll throw the one two he's timing the one ducking under the two because he knows that i'll overreach the two even if i don't overreach a two you know he's in good position for to shoot a double right so again the body work was really important on this one one because i knew it would slow him down and 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 put my shots other places and two you know um Throwing, throwing, throwing low. It's, it's, it's. He's more reluctant to like shoot a double, and that's kind of what he, what he does. He doesn't. I notice he shoots doubles and singles, right? And so, um, yeah, there was a point where he clipped me in that first right. He, he just caught me on the. You know, I was, I was picking, 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 and he caught me with a, uh, a left hook. And it, it dropped me, and, and you know I scrambled up and got back up top, and, and facially or sort of temple. Uh, I think caught me at the end of the chin. I think I didn't, I didn't look at the tape again, but you know a lot. But a lot of the the the, the fight um, in the first round, he ended up on his back. You know, kind of he didn't really pull guard, but I don't know if I took him down or he ended up on the ground. And he kind of like. Um, got to guard. And he's trying to get his hooks under my legs and, and work into you know grappling mode and you know like uh and i think he's and i really felt he was trying to hook his foot up into a single leg takedown and take me down that way and get on top um or maybe work from the bottom but you know i, I end up grabbing his feet and just kicking his legs from the top you know and, and normally i'd probably try to stand up and hover above him and throw some shots above but my hamstring like if i squat down i feel it's it pull yeah. you know so i didn't so if i do something dynamic like throw a right hand still standing floating above him i could tear my hamstring you know i knew that the whole fight so you know i stood above him just threw leg kicks and grabbed his foot just threw leg kicks leg kicks caught my breath and then you know from his butt he shot a few singles and i defended him and broke off and and then by the second round i was able to uh when we we clinched up, that's when I popped them off through a combination, you know. And so again, I turned it to to more of a instead of like a technical pick, a, you know, pick back and forth. Popped them off, went right to some shots, and he ended up throwing something back. And I think I threw my left hook first. You know, I fainted my right, and he was gonna. I fainted my right, and he was gonna counter with a shot, and then I. I fainted my right through my left hook and that dropped him and threw hammer fists and then the hammer and then unconscious he sort of like threw up a triangle choke he didn't remember it but he was naturally because he's done so much he's fought so much he has so much instinct he popped up a perfect triangle and I was you know but I had a conscious enough to posture head up and then finish with some hammer fists and then I finished him you know but um, so even when you think he's on the verge of going he's yeah. still ultra dangerous he could pop off a triangle and right well, and just like when I got clipped, I mean, I didn't remember it, but I got clipped. And I went right for a single leg. You know, I started running my wrestling, you know. So, you know, again, you, you do things so many times that you do it unconscious, you know. Like, and again, people don't realize that about a true martial artist is, you know, we do hundreds and thousands of reps to where you're doing this stuff in your sleep, literally. <laughs> literally. So you now have rattled off two knockout victories in a row. Right, yep. 
And were they both by way of left hook, essentially? I mean, the Gorilla yeah. one was a sweet left hook that you chinned him with. Yeah. And then was, this fighter was a left hook that caused the damage that got you to the position. Yeah, the, the one with Grimbo was like, I, I shrugged him off right hand, left hook immediately after. Oh, he the, walked straight into that one though. Yeah, well, what happened with that one is he, he Grimbo was really overextending and he's yeah. moving forward real hard. And so... As a taller guy punching down onto a shorter guy would yeah. do. Yeah, and so uh, obviously I was looking for double legs and stuff like that, but that one, he threw... I, I clinched and engaged like I was going to take him down, right? And I, I didn't feel the takedown there. And so immediately I shrugged him off right hand, left hook. Boom, boom. You know, and I went from right right from wrestling mode to boxing mode. And it caught him off guard, caught him off that half beat. Bop, bop, you know. Because um, the issue with people is they, they go from wrestling mode, then to boxing mode, to wrestling mode. And, a, and, and again, like, I don't know, one of our coaches at Extreme Couture, he's not with us anymore. But, um, like, he's not alive, right? Was he the um, one who shot himself? Yeah, yeah, he committed suicide. Yeah, what was his name? Robert Fallis. Yeah. But one of his best quotes um, that I, I resonate with really well is, is, is um, the music is made by the space in between the notes, right? You can, so basically you can play a bunch of beautiful notes, perfect notes, but if the spacing between them isn't perfect, the song sucks, right? Like, it doesn't work. You know, so... You know, like that, and that's the thing about mixed martial arts. You can throw a good right hand, good left hook, a good t- double leg takedown, good arm bar. But how does that flow within your within your practice? You know, so you if you can go right from wrestling to boxing, back to wrestling to judo to jiu-jitsu, You know, like if you're flowing that all together in, in a symphony, um, that's where the art comes in with mixed martial arts, and that's what takes years and years of practice and, and concept in your brain to make it happen. So that's kind of what I did with Garimba. You know, I went down from a, a clinch, wrestling clinch, right to boxing and then right down to hammer fist. You know what I mean? It was just that the space and the notes were more fluid than they ever have been. And they continue to get that way. Um, so, um, yeah, that, so, so, but then this, this hook, this, this, this left hook that I, 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 it was more reminiscent of a fight I had in Australia, actually, Eastern. I was in Western Australia when I fought at middleweight. I defended my middleweight title when I fainted, fainted a takedown and left, like, kind of like a big lead left hook, you know, that Roy Jones stuff, you know. So I kind of fainted that right, changed level, and came back with that left hook because I noticed as he was boxing, um, as he was blocking, his hands his hands were tight. They were real high up. But when I would throw punches, because I was throwing a lot of jabs and straights in the beginning, or a lot of jabs, he would push his hands outward, you know. As to, a defense mechanism. As a defense, yeah. Instead of, like, keeping them close, he would just, just pu- he'd push his hands out just to sort of meet my hands. And so I knew a feint would bring his hands out and open up his chin and, and his chin one around the side. Yeah. So again, like during the first round I had to study him and, and again, like I said in the interview post fight is, you know, and this happens with a lot of veteran fighters, you know, guys who have been in the the the, the reigns a lot is, is is a veteran fighter takes a while to to figure out their opponent you know what i mean like an amateur amateur fighter they can explode and they have a bunch of their combinations and if those combinations work cool if not you know oh no i don't have time to adjust you know somebody who's trained for a while they they throw things out and they start to read and adjust and read and adjust and by round two if you're the better fighter you know i felt like i was a better striker in that one right um i mean he clipped me in the it took me a while it took me extra long because i had to I, I, my range and everything was messed up <laughs> from the injury, you know, from the injury. But, uh, you know, I, I read and I, I, I noticed those, those subtleties and, and that's where the knockout came through. Cause we, 
you, you got to read your guy. You got to, you know, it's, it's a chess match, man. Like it's more than just throwing stuff together. And, and also Dennis, you know, Dennis Davis, my corner man, he was calling things out too. You know, when I started. Are you able to hear him at all times? Yeah. You yeah. can pick his voice out. No problem. Yep. Absolutely. And I could hear the other corner too, you know, and that's pretty much it. But I'm tuned into my corner mostly. And, you know, and I was picking things here and there. And then he finally called for a couple, um, like, a, you know, you know, body hook cross, you know, like, like we've been practicing a combination that we've been working and, uh, the force for, for this fight specifically. And, um, and I worked a lot of them with Tim bring the pain lane and, and, and Dennis sort of orchestrated everything together. Um, and, and, you know, once he called it, boom, 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 it landed, you know, yeah. like it, it, he was ready for a full combination. You know, I was just picking shots, picking, 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 you know, and a, picking and reading, picking, reading. And then once Dennis called it, you know, I felt it come through and it, and it, and it worked, you know, and then, and then he would then, then Bright was ready for some combinations to be thrown. So yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's as I'm talking about it, I, I don't, I, I, I just think I'm just going out there and fighting. And even at, right now as I'm talking to you, I don't know if it's the alpha brain talking, but <laughs> the Anna alpha brain, my sister gave me some before I came here. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I don't know if it's that talking, but like I'm realizing that this stuff is intricate and I'm, yeah. I'm and I, I don't even, I, I tend to forget about it, but the little subtleties that go on in my brain as I'm fighting and as I'm training and as we're getting ready, you know, we don't have it laid out, but I'm putting it together. My coach are putting it together and we, Boom! It's 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 an art form. It's not it's not just chaos. It looks like chaos sometimes, but it's there's something behind it. Well, speaking of veterans and the way that they act and the way that they hold themselves in a fight, Martin von Staden is right. as veteran as they come. Although yep. age wise, not specifically, but right. he's got a hell of a record on him, a hell of a long record on him. Right, and he's been up and down in weights as well. I mean, now he finds himself the lightweight champion. Right. I mean, I think I remember watching him at light heavy at one stage of his career. Yeah, he might have. He, <laughs> he's, a, he's a tall guy, so I mean, he yeah. can carry that kind of a frame. So, what would you expect out of Martin von Staden um, come I, the night when you two tangle for the title? Yeah, I'll have to study him some more. I mean, honestly, to tell you the hundred percent truth, that last night was the first or Saturday night was the first time I watched him fight. You know, I, I don't have well time nor the the the. Uh, resources to keep up with a lot of the EFC fights because yeah. <laughs> the, the, they don't show in the U.S. and um, So I'm going to have to study him. And, you know, um, like he's with Fight Fit Militia, and, and those coaches have been studying me for a very long time. So I'm sure they have a game plan Tim for me. Tell them, oh, guys got a pretty good left hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll do something for my left hook or something like that. And you know, I, I don't, uh, but honestly, the striking that I threw Saturday night, I don't think it'll be reminiscent of what I'll throw when I'm throwing with him. Like everything was off that day. I, I didn't feel good. And, you know, you fight differently based on who you're fighting. And, 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 uh, I, I, I just think, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I got to, I got to really look at it and, and see what I want, see what bag of tricks I want to pull out of my, uh, toolbox. And what and did see you see in work. his performance? Um, anything that would worry you? No, I mean, I, I, not. I mean, 
yeah, I mean, that, that, that length and that height was, I mean, he popped that knee to get the knockout. He popped a knee up that came out of nowhere and stuff. I'm like, okay, you know, he can touch my chin with the knee while he's standing. That's, that's pretty scary, right? Um, he's got long limbs, which is always, but my, went my whole career fighting people that are taller than me, man. Like, <laughs> if a guy's shorter than me, then it freaks me out. Like, when I fought Cebu Sisu, I think he might have been shorter than me. And I was like, damn, uh, he was definitely weird. shorter than you. You know, yeah. So I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> no. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it's another guy with two arms and two legs that wants to knock me out, you know? So it's it just, it just figuring out exactly what his thing is. I'll probably start studying tape of him and figure out what tendencies he has and, and what tools I have to, to counteract his tendencies. Um, and then as you're going, you're calling audibles on the way. That's why I got a corner man. You know, I got a guy like Dennis Davis and hopefully he can be in my corner again. Cause you know, Brad Bodsworth, uh, he, he, he helped me in my corner. He's a local guy. He's, uh, yeah, I know him. With ex- I'm from, well, know yeah. him well. He's a fitness expert, of course. Yeah. He's the fitness guy. Like he, he's the extreme nutrition sponsor. He's seen me wearing extreme nutrition and, and, uh, they've been supportive. They're my first, and only local sponsor, you know. So if you may want to sponsor the pain train, hey, <laughs> I'm making sponsors. I'll I'll rep you, you know. And he's uh, fighting for a fucking title. Yeah, sponsor him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so Jesus, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So so, but Brad was like, dude, like he's Nostradamus in the corner, like because he was calling. I was like, he's gonna shoot, and then Bright shoots and do this, and I'd do it, and it would work. He also you know, knows like, Bright quite well, though. Uh, yeah, no, no, he does. I know he does. Who, Dennis? Uh, Brad. Oh, yeah, Brad does. Knows Chris yeah. Brad really well. No, but like, but Brad was watching Dennis predict everything. Oh, wow. Brad was watching Dennis. Brad was like, you know, you, you like, just because like Dennis is, I mean, Dennis is one of those guys that he was at Team Quest since it started, you know, the team in Oregon, right? And then he was at Extreme Couture since it started, you know, like he was an OG MMA guy. And the only reason why he never made it big is because he never had a weight class that fit him until he was, you know, towards the end of the, the career. Yeah, for sure. Right? Like he's probably, an, you know... He's he's not a lightweight. He fought the, l- the lightest weight he had was a what lightweight class. And he's two. He probably legitimately two weight classes under that. He should have been a one thirty five or a one forty five or whatever that is bantam weight. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> smaller than me. Yeah, smaller than me. You know what I mean? But like smaller than the UFC was. It, so so he you know and he's fought some of the best. But like you know his knowledge and just just being around. Like again, it, the more you're around somebody, he's been in so many corners and so many things. He can call the audible like as they're going so again again having that tool having somebody who's good in the corner really helps too and again i did it without you know like my sister one time had to corner me you know for against and i had a couple guys help me from uh uh pfa pride fighting academy they they helped me out but um my sister called the fight for me and uh, uh leon mainhart too but uh, it's nice to have Dennis there to like, hey, we need to change the game plan. Boom, you know, like game chan, you know, the game plan's nice until you get punched in the face, and then you know, you know, happens. So did I have another idea, son? Yeah, <laughs> then you're like, oh shoot, or you know, you break your foot or something like that. You know, like some of those kicks today hurt my foot quite a bit. You know, and I might have broke it. Who knows? I could have broke my foot, broke my hand. You know, like 
you know. I Speaking of which, are there yeah. any kind of issues that you're currently dealing with besides your, your hamstring? Um, I, I think I, I, I damaged some lim- ligaments and stuff in my foot, so okay. it's going to take a little bit to heal up. And I walked it off. I dipped it in the, the ocean here in Cape Town and had the healing powers, you know, it, it, nice, cool ocean. It felt good, so it's it's feeling better. Um, I can walk on it, and I'm limping. I have a little bit of accidental pimp walk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, yeah, but it feels good, and I'm, I'm, it'll come back. I think my hamstring will take longer, to tell you the truth. So, well, speaking of guys jumping up and down, wait, now again, I was in the mountains. I didn't really know what was going on until I came down this morning, right? And I read that Tony Ferguson isn't fighting against Khabib Nurmagomedov anymore. Uh, yeah. And I thought, no, no, wait, wait, wait. It was, it was on April Fool's. It was, this was yesterday. Fuck you. Uh, yeah. Uh, apparently, that's not an article that's disappearing. That's for real. Yeah. And Max Holloway yep. is stepping up on very short notice yep. to fight arguably the most dangerous person in the UFC today. Right. How the fuck do you think that fight's going to go? It's going to go with a good paycheck. and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you know? don't have to cut weight to get down a feather. Because yeah. we know he, he looks like warmed up death. Right. Featherweight. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, he he looks the worst of any fighter on a scale right. at a weigh-in is Max Holloway. So now he gets to move up to lightweight. Yep. And he's getting a fat paycheck. Yep. So good bonus, him, bonus, that's good for him. Yeah, he got nothing to lose. Like, you know, he he gets his ass kicked. Nobody cares. I, and, and honestly, that short-notice fight is a dangerous man. You know what I mean? Short-notice fight with everything to gain, nothing to lose. Um, like, and obviously, Khabib's going to win, right? Like, I'd... You know, Isn't not, that obvious? I don't know. I, mean, I think so. I mean, I, you know, just just with his fighting style and what he's just relentless, and you know, and he's going to be in, in shape in Hollywood. You know, like who knows how good Hall? Even you're in, even if you're training in a camp, you know, going against a machine like Khabib would be difficult. You know, I mean, but you know, but good, but good on you know, good on him. Like you know, like I I remember taking ass whoopings for a lot less than what they're getting paid. So oh, yeah. I'm sure he's getting, you know, he's happy. He's getting, again, he's, he's loses nothing. He loses, he gains everything. Still got his featherweight title. Yeah. This is just a testing of the waters. Cause I, yeah. you and look at him and you think he probably is running out of time in order to still make featherweight. Cause yeah, I mean, maybe. he can't pitch up every time looking like that. Right. But he's also a big enough guy to carry a size to right. lightweight division with him. Yeah. Yeah. He's so that's probably like a, a, I think this is going to work out better than most people think, and yeah. I think he's probably going to have his moments. It'll be fun, and 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 he again, he's not. I mean, when you get up and have to fight that fast, you you don't even have the nerves for the fight. You're just like, all right, we got to go and fight. You know, like leading up, like an eight week camp is almost harder than a three week camp. Eight week camp, you're like have all this time to think and analyze and whatever. When you have a three week camp, like oh shoot, I got to, and he's got less than three weeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> like he's, you know, you're just getting up and going. Like, all right, let's go fight. Cool. Like, you know. Well, didn't he fall out of the fight with Edgar because he broke something in his body, either an arm or a leg? I don't know. And then Edgar ended up fighting um, the new kid who beat him for the interim title, uh, Brian Ortega. Yeah. It wasn't I think it was that way around. And then I thought that Holloway had broken his leg. Oh. What I'd read is that he had broken his leg. So suddenly he's popping up on what it seems like the biggest of all UFC pay-per-views in terms of how stacked that card is. It looks right. ridiculous. And even though Ferguson is falling off, right. putting Holloway in there takes nothing away from a main event. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. I mean, I think everybody want to see Khabib and Ferguson, though. I think that's... I really want to see. I was really bummed when I saw that. But, I mean, you know, for the casual fan, it'll be... 
I mean, yeah, it's it, it'll still be entertaining. Holloway is a great, entertaining fighter, and well, I think you can you forget know. about it now. I don't think Dana White is ever going to try and book that fight ever again. Ah, right. They can be number one and two for the rest of their lives. I don't think they're ever going it's, right. to. It's clearly cursed. Right. It is clearly cursed. Right. Something's going on. So we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. If you were offered a fight against Khabib Nurmagomedov tomorrow, being in the lightweight division, yeah. you know what is your basic kind of preparation for a guy like that? The red panty party? I don't know. Get you know, get get a banker. You know, <laughs> get somebody to <laughs> handle my finances. I'm rich, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I said, like, a guy like that. You know, like you got time. You need time to develop. You know, I've been, I, I, I've been. The, the unfortunate thing is, uh, I. I uh, I'm a professional fighter that's trying to fight world class with with an with with an amateur payday. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm 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 like I don't have the resources of an I have the resources of an amateur fighter, but I'm technically a pro. Yeah. You know what I mean? I need time to develop. You know, like you know, I, a guy like Khabib would take a long time, if ever, be be a real fight him. Like, and again, do, do I have the ability to fight anybody? Yes, absolutely. You know, but I need time to develop. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't know how. I mean, it, yeah, it, there's no way I could prepare for him right now. Like in my next fights against him, forget about it. You know, I, you know I'll go in, do my thing, and see. You know, get in best shape I can, and know and, how to and, stuff and, a takedown. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and you know, just do what I can. But you know, you got time. You need time to develop, and that's one thing people don't realize about. Um, you know, this is the difference between a UFC fighter and a, and a guy who's stepping in for the UFC the first time. That person most likely had to work and 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 do their thing and and uh, you know go through kinds of adversity. It's like, you know, it was kind of like you're like, oh, are you getting laser therapy on your hamstring? Are you like stretching out, doing this rehab and stuff like this? I'm like, yeah, I'm trying, but I gotta immediately leave practice, go teach this class. You know, I'm trying to slap ice on it or something, but I, you know, I can't do that. And I got this cream that keeps, you know, <laughs> as I'm walking out the door. You know, it's like even my recovery just you know, rehab is not where it could be. You know, there's all these resources out there and you need time to time to take care of it too, you know? So, you know, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying that just, that's, that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> and, and, and I, and, and I guess a part of my dream and the reason why I want to make the UFC and, and, and to get to that point, cause I want to see what my body's capable of. I want to see what my, my mind and body and spirit and everything can put together in a proper training camp where like, Hey, you know, you don't have to worry about working. Um, you know, you, you just got to focus on, you know, training twice a day, sleeping eight hours at night, having a nap in the middle of the day, eating the best food possible, getting the right rehab, right recovery. You know, that's what I, that's my dream. At the UFC Performance Institute. At the UFC Performance yeah, absolutely, son. Absolutely. You know, and, and even if I didn't, even if I didn't have that resource, just having the time available, like, like oh, you know, I'm going to get a payday. Like, you know, like it, even though, you know, you not to take anything away from EFC, but just put it in perspective. If I win the main event fight, get a bonus in the EFC, I'm still getting paid less than the least paid guy on a, any UFC card. Wow. The guy who loses their fight on the first fight on the UFC card as the champion belt holder with a bonus, I'm getting paid less than that person on the UFC card. When you convert it back into US dollars. Yeah, or or whatever, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's pretty <laughs> you know? crazy, man. Yeah, so just thinking of it that way, you know, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding the gold and I'm, I'm creating a big influence here, which I love. Like, you know, I can't take that away. Those memories will never go away. And at the end of the day, that's what we're left with is our memory of, of what's going on and, and what impact we had on this life. Um, and, and it's not all about money. Otherwise I would have a real job <laughs> and doing well, you know, like, but you know, if I put as much effort into making money as I do, um, as I do just fighting, I would be a millionaire right now. I'd be, you know, driving a boat with a stripper pull on it or something. <laughs> you <know>? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could do whatever I wanted because I've put a lot of effort into this. I put a lot of my heart and soul into fighting. Uh, but, uh, no, man, but that, but that's not what I want. I want to come out with world experiences. You cannot buy the experience that I've had, you know, this last 10 years fighting. You cannot with all the money in the world, with all the boats and stripper poles you, you have, you cannot buy that shit, you know? So that, and that's, that's a true reason why I do it. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, what is your record standard at the moment? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't Shoot know. I got, I, 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 man, I always forget. I got over 20 fights. I got like maybe 16, 17 wins, seven losses, something like that. And he's like potentially ninety percent of the way sure there that he's going to be fighting for the EFC lightweight title. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that lightweight title. I mean, I'm gonna knock on the you know I'm gonna talk to people and see if I can knock on the UFC door right now. You know, I I, I want that shot, and I'm not getting any younger. You know, I take a loss and I'm done. And I'm sure I'm, EFC I'm, would never get in the yeah. way of that. And it's only good for them because no, they they want to see it's another person who's come through EFC who's gone on to UFC. No. They want to see that, and they know I'll give them props, man. Yeah. The EFC has changed my life. They have put me on a stage and allowed me to do things that a lot of, I never thought was possible. You know, so I'll always back the EFC and what they've done for me. And and they know as I move on, and, and they want to see me get paid. Those I think they genuinely, you know, you know, they try. They, they, yeah, and they they want to see me be successful. They want to because when I'm successful, they're successful. They know I'm that kind of guy. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna screw them. You know what I mean? In, in that sense, I'll be honest with everything. Um, As they would be with you. I mean, they're striking yeah. as the most upfront kind of guys in the, their personality. As far as promoters, and you know, you always take everything a promoter says with a grain of salt. Even the good ones. You bags know, you're always and you're bags always, and bags of salt. <laughs> you're always nervous with them. But out of all of them, they're the best ones I've dealt with. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I've been through the ringer and I've dealt with a lot of promotions and, and around the world, you know, like I've dealt with promotions in Alaska, Canada, Australia, Mexico, all different sides of the United States, you know, like just me personally, you know, and then, and then I'm around people that have dealt with stuff every, everywhere else. So I'm having a lot of experience with that and, and they've done really, really well. Like as far as like, I, I you know, I trust them for the most, you know, as much as you can trust a promoter, <laughs> not, not to say that, I mean, but it's good. I'm yeah. saying it's good. So, you know, like obviously I might send some feelers out to the UFC again. Um, and if that doesn't work, I'd win this title and put some more feelers out. But I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's like this. It's like this. You know, I I take one more loss from this point. I'm 34 now. You know what I mean? I'm t- take one more loss, and my my dream of the UFC is gonna be bye bye. You know what I mean? That is not gonna happen. They don't want a lightweight guy that's taking another loss at 34, especially you know? in a stacked lightweight division as yeah. it is there now. Yeah, you know, if I was a heavyweight right now, I'd be in. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? the truth of it. Though. You know, yeah, if I, if I was a really little guy, I'd be in. Um, but I'm that. You, know, you said a stacked weight division. You know, and, you know, I, I I would, and I wouldn't be. 
you know, it, I'm happy with what I've done at this point. You know what I mean? I'm super happy. I've been more successful than most people. I'm more successful than I should have been. <laughs> you know, if you look at where I started, I shouldn't have been where I'm at right now. I shouldn't be talking to you in South Africa right now. I was sitting there with my girlfriend today. Be in a cabin in Alaska trying to fend off brown bears. Yeah, which that's a beautiful thing, too. I would yeah. love to do that. I can't wait to, you know, maybe one day I will retire. Maybe I'll be a hermit and <laughs> who knows? I don't know, grow a big beard and stuff. Wood chopper. Uh, yeah, something like that. But, you know, but I, I have to I have to do everything I can to get that shot because that's what I want. And, and, and that's what I've been working this whole time for. Um so time will tell, like, you know, until then I'm, I'm focused on getting that EFC title and I'm focusing on, uh, you know, the goals and tasks at hand and, and, and being the, you know, and still, still keeping up with my stuff. I'm, you know, still, I'm gonna still stick with Naga and do my refereeing. I'm still gonna, you know, climb in the ladder at true fusion that, that, that you know, cause that's potential for stuff after fighting. And that's why I've kept up with that, you know, and it's, you know, you can't make a living in the fitness industry easily. You can't make a living in doing things that involve jujitsu. It's, it's, and you can't, I'm going to say you can't, but it's like very difficult. Well, right? you need a fully functioning body yourself in order to be able to do those yeah. kinds of things and, and teach it. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I keep, I'm keeping my grasp on those, 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 those opportunities because they also make me feel good, right? Like when I referee matches and I got, you know, I'm, I, we've got a, a 800 people in an arena competing, you know, and we're putting on these matches. People are like, I mean, obviously people are upset, but there's people that are happy and like feel good about our competitions and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's really good to put that out there. You know, I, I'm refereeing like six year olds and stuff, keeping them safe, you know, and, 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 you know, dealing with parents and making sure they have a good experience and, and, and the better experience they have, the better experience they have with martial arts, which is something that changed my life. Right. So it's, I feel like it's a good thing I'm putting forward. And then with fitness and the group fitness, you know, we get to change people's lives in that way. I mean, you, you, you understand fitness and, and everything. And you know that when you're active consistently, you just have a happier life. It's the, it's the natural drug movement. You're more stable, man. Dude, it's it's crazy, and I'm talking like mentally, and I and I, I can give a shit if somebody has abs and a hot butt, a body, and a you know sweet ass or whatever. Like it doesn't matter, because what matters at the end of the day is how you feel and how you carry yourself and what you're able to do. You know, like it's not how you look, it's how you feel. That's for sure, man. Right, and and I and I, I feel bad when I see somebody in their 40s and they look like they're in their 60s and they can't move and and they they can't enjoy their children or grandchildren or whoever they have, you know, um, because they, they didn't take care of themselves and I want to be a part of the solution. Um, and again, I think, um, the way the society runs is we, we push towards inactivity and that's okay. And then poor nutrition and, and, and those things aren't getting looked at. I and mean, we're talking about, you know, violence and whatever all the time but sometimes we do the most violent things to our own body every day like you know the sugar industry and 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 the processed foods and and not you know p p putting less and less activity into our kids um yeah gym classes are getting you know less and less and more educated you know kids aren't gonna you know kids need to move they need to eat healthy they need to do that stuff so you know um the being a part of the solution with fitness is, is something important in my life too. So those things make me feel good. You know, the, the refing and the, and the, and the fitness stuff and feeling good makes me, you know, train harder and train better and, and feel better about myself. And, um, 
I'm glad I I'm glad I finally found like after years and years and years finally found some niches that I feel good about. And I can make money doing stuff that makes me feel good as well as pay my rent. <laughs> so you know, and 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 fighting is another thing that makes me feel good. Not not because I want to beat people up, because honestly, like I've ran to so many people in South Africa who say, you know, how I inspired them or how you know they watched me and it made them feel good for whatever reason. You know, and and maybe I'm and some people say what I've done change their perspective on what martial arts are to them. Yeah. You know, and, and I like, or, or even cage fighting, right? Like, Oh, it's cage fighting. And they, they, they start to, maybe they'll hear me and like, okay, different type of people do this. It's not, a, you know, I want to break the, uh, the stigma and I want to break the, uh, prejudice behind who we are, you know, as, as human beings. And I think there's primitive folk like myself that need an outlet. And this is a good outlet for me, you know, and, I wouldn't suggest it for everybody, but it's and some people just want to watch it, and so there we go. We kind of meld a good, you know, union of ideas. <laughs> well, know? one of the things you didn't mention is pro wrestling, obviously. Yeah, and yeah. Um, this last week we've seen uh, the Ronda Rousey hype train in yeah. the WWE just start to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. Are you of the opinion that she is going to become the biggest thing in wrestling very, very soon? Nah, it's pro wrestling's a tough business, man. Like uh, that's a thing you don't really know until you're in it. Um, it, it, it I think it's it, it's pro wrestling's one of those things that like fighting it needs to be in your blood. You know, you need to enjoy it. Um, is she earning more as a WWE star than she was in as her, in her prime, mm-hmm. undefeated as an MMA yeah. fighter? I I don't know what her payday is. I'm sure she's getting paid well because you, you know WWE is a global phenomenon, a global thing. The 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 hard part about uh, uh, the the WWE is you know generally when you're when you're a star and you're on the road all the time. Like, I mean, the average wrestler is on the road 300 days out of the year. You know, you aren't home ever. You know, like and on the road means also watching a diet in the gym, taking knocks. Banging right. around on a ring, right? Getting hit by chairs and tables. Yeah, you're you're cutting promos and and you know like you know trying to work the script and work the storylines and you know you're not at home like you know what I mean. It's hard like even leaving for the weekend doing a naga. I'm like, man, that's hard on my training. Okay, now how are you going to stay in shape while you're on the road 300 days of the year? I mean, you got to get creative and be disciplined and you know and, and people shouldn't care that it's fake. No, no, it's 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 no that kind of work that goes into it. What what they're doing, it, it, it's 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 a very impressive thing. It takes a special person, and you know, and like I know a lot of them have trouble with relationships and 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 stuff like that because it takes a special spouse to be with somebody that's on the road like that all the time and who understands and understands what's going on. Yeah, you know, like and you know, so. I don't think the money really matters at this point for her. You know, it's okay. Do you like that lifestyle? Is it something that's going to work out for you? Um, do you enjoy the work in the ring? Do you have the charisma it takes to do it? You know, like, do you... Can you work a crowd with a microphone? Yeah, the mic or just even a look, you know? Like, it. Like that's that's what was great about any great wrestler is you, you can you can make a gesture, a pause or, or do the right thing at the right time and make the crowd pop. You know, it, you know, there's a difference between throwing a shot at somebody and looking around the crowd, making eye contacts That's at somebody. Mild acting and skills. Bap- yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. And, and, it, and it's, and it's on the spot. Like, you know, an actor, Oh, that didn't work. Cut. That didn't work. Cut. You know, you got to go on the fly. Some, maybe somebody trips and falls and you got to figure out how to fix that right away. You know, like something didn't go as planned and you got to fix it. 
you know, so and you call it on the fly. It's 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 a definitely an art form, I and mean, you got to do it safely, you know. And I think one of the thing, big things in pro wrestling that 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 that's that's you see on the indie scene is people, oh man, you know, see a bunch of flippy dudes, a bunch of flips and crazy moves, and and oh, I'm gonna spike his head on a you know chair with thumbtacks on or you know what I mean oh but the art isn't there the art is in the details the art is in the small pieces of it just like fighting right they could you know like a person who perfects a jab is going to be better than the person that does you know 100 different techniques you know you perfect your jab and your cross and your kick you know you do those hundreds of thousands of times you're going to be better than the person that does all these kicks 10 times you, you know what I mean so um like we'll see, we'll see if Rhonda can figure out those little details and figure out what it is. Because you know, her, her she's over with her name. Like people know who she is now. Is she gonna suck or is she gonna be good? I don't know. Is she gonna like? Is she gonna have the love for the sport? I mean, I I'm assuming she she's acting and so she might enjoy entertaining people and stuff. But we'll see. I don't know. I'm curious. It'll be fun. It, it's fun. It's fun to watch as, as a person how it develops and whatever. So we'll see. I don't know. No clue. Well, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you yeah. again this time in South Africa. Hopefully, what's going to happen now? Lightweight title is going to get announced. Boom. Mazzani versus Finstaden. Boom. In Cape Town. That would be ideal. Because if you do it in Joba, you can't come here. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, that, <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of rooting for Gavin Hughes. He's like, well, maybe. Gavin Hughes fights will have it in Cape Town most likely. <laughs> you know what I mean? So the next time <laughs> so. it could be uh, getting used to altitude because I think if that fight does come together, I think Joburg is the place that it's right. most likely going to be. Right. But you've got a legion of of followers and supporters down here, man. Yeah. And th- like you said, if EFC hadn't come along, you wouldn't have been known by so many people right. in a city called Cape Town in South Africa. Right. And that's how your life has just changed with the around the world sort of mentality that you have towards fighting, which is amazing to watch. So you just come into Cape Town, you've kicked the local guy's ass, and now you're going back out to America. What's the plan from here on? What, for like... Back into work tomorrow, or or you leave tomorrow night? (laughs) Actually, I... literally get back off the plane and into the gym. You know what? It's kind of funny. I planned on having a couple of days off when I got home, but then there was a, they're opening a true fusion Miami. And so, uh, off to Miami. No, I wish I was out. To, uh, well, I don't know if I, I'm glad I don't have to, but they, they bring, so Vegas is our central hub. Yeah. So they're bringing to the trainers. They're doing a 10 day training. And that towards the end of the 10 day training is a day I get back. And so I got to teach them how to bo- do, do the boxing program the programming and all that. So, no I'm, so I'm going to be jet lagged sh- doing oh. that, you know, but at least I know I'm legit. You know, that's one reason I want to win my fight too. So I can come back, train these people and show them a legit, like, all right, this is why you do the left hook. Cause it knocks people out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to teach you one punch today. It's the yeah. one I know how to do brilliantly. Left hook. Lead left, left hook. hook. That's it. You know, but <laughs> Roy but, Jones yourselves. Yeah. But you know, so yeah, it, you know, but Rolling Stone gathers no moss. You know no, what I'm saying? Sure. So, so, uh, uh, so, so I think you know. Thir- I, I arrive Wednesday. I'm going to work Thursday, Friday, and have a Saturday off, and I'm going to be back to teaching classes Sunday. So, you know, like, but but then again, I'm not going to train. I'm going to eat more ice cream, drink more beer. Thank um, you. <laughs> the awesome positives so, to this. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll I'll call my uncle and see if he can uh, make some make some good food. My the, the Mazzani or the the Lee's family. Uh, my mom's side of the family, they make some 
one of the wonderful cooks on that end of the end of the family, you know. So then my uncle lives over there. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him a call, like, hey, bro, like somebody wants to move up to a lot heavyweight. So. Yeah, I'm gonna move, you know, <laughs> see how close I can get in a couple of weeks, and then back to you know eating clean. <laughs> so. Well, man, I wish yeah. you all the best, and I hope to see you again in Cape Town, and I hope to see you in the title fighting position. Yeah. But uh, just in case it's Joburg, no worries. I'll come up there and watch you uh, throw it down with pleasure. Be good. Thank you so much for coming to my home again today yeah. and uh, giving me your latest story. Always entertaining. And if this thing is still recording, Hopefully. your battery is conked up. We don't even know what anybody has said. How's it, guys? Thank you very much. This is the 10 Point Must podcast Boom. number 13. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. <laughs> Pain train. Thanks whoop, for whoop. Shit, brother. Yeah. Thanks, guys. See ya. I'm rich, Bjorn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I said. <laughs>